Welcome back, Fortitudeers. We got us a show for you today. We are your humble servants at Fortitude. We are Britton Payne and J.W. Wilson. Thanks for tuning in. While there's much news to consider, Britton Payne, some good, some not so good in the world, we attempt to bring you a unique and positive form of that version. That was a nice delivery of the word unique there. Yes. Uh, (laughs) This is football season. You probably don't know that, Britton, but it is football season. You've heard. Well, today in studio we have a we have a good one. We have a legend in the in the house. One of our buds, one of TCU's um, legendary linebackers. Uh, before we show you his face, though, uh, I think we got to uh, talk about you being back in in service. Yeah, I've just got a little tickle in my throat from the COVID Welcome virus that I caught. And we we went by your house with your wife's permission, took a picture of your bedroom while you were out during COVID. Just the isolation. A, yeah, simple work of my mind. Um, I had some time on my hands to do a couple of exercises, so it uh, that, that's actual actual footage. It's in an, you're indeed in a beautiful mind, sir. Yeah. So welcome back to the show, buddy. Good to have you back. Thank Glad you. you're okay. Uh, the next little video should be the best intro to this man you could ever have because it, here it is right now. We're watching it. Um, Friend, do you know who the team in the red pants is? Not a clue. Left, SMU? left, left, left. <laughs> oh, Wisconsin. Watch I see the middle it linebacker right there. Completely covered up the blitz. They, they slid right into it. Had nowhere to go. But I jumped. <laughs> The voice you're hearing, Britton, is the greatness of one Tank Carter. Thanks for being here, <laughs> Welcome Tank. To show, Tank. Yes. There he is coming off the field. That play, folks, is the two-point conversion for Wisconsin. That was the team Wisconsin-Britton. They were trying to tie the game. We were up 21-19. There's Tank. Boom. What was the play called, Tank? It was S-Dogs. S-Dogs. It was 12 on our play card. Number 12. No kidding. It's been a long time ago. Is that, that was, that's what you were supposed to do exactly? So when I was supposed to blitz, like I was supposed to be a free blitz, but they slid the coverage, the the pass protection coverage right into it. And there was just nowhere to go. So I just stopped. And I remember shoving stands in his back. Maponga just completely pushed him right on the ground and stopped and just jumped and it was there. Yeah. (laughs) So you could, you were able to see the quarterback about to throw that. I mean, right then, or I don't know, man. I just it was so instincts. Yeah. It just I yeah. stopped, couldn't go nowhere, so I just looked right at the quarterback. He threw it right in my face. Yeah, so I knocked it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to the intro. Welcome to Show Tank. We're big fans. We're friends. Uh, we're glad you're here. We want to talk about you for a little bit, if you'll let us. Um, that play, you you lived it um, before the play happened. What What do you think? If you you've told the story, I'm sure a million times. Can you tell it a million and one? No, oh, man. I mean, it was honestly. Thinking back to that game, people were like, you know, what was the atmosphere like? What was this? And it was almost like a blur. I feel like the game happened so fast. They were just so locked in the whole game and then came down to that last play. And I feel like, I know, I know that's kind of what I'm known for in Fort Worth is that one play. It was like that Rose Bowl, that play, when you got that interception, it's like <laughs> we, I knocked it down. But mm-hmm. um, but no, it was it was a lot of fun. The funniest thing about that play was everyone was supposed to be cheering and happy and Coach Patterson was yelling at Alex at Boye because – he was supposed to be on the complete opposite side of the field covering the number three guy who was wide open and he in the was, end zone. And he was open indeed? Yeah, he was wide open. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Alex. I don't mean That's to throw okay. you on the bus, I think bro. Alex has probably made peace <laughs> with was that Was the whole mistake. experience, though, I mean, a blur? Like, was it just kind of so intense? The well, deal? I mean, I, I just feel like the game, like, mm-hmm. I can remember walking out of the tunnel, and I looked up and kind of looked at the crowd, and I, I don't remember the crowd the whole rest of the game. It yeah. was just, yeah. you know, focus, I guess. Mm-hmm. but. It's probably one of the highlights of my career. Right. Definitely. The consensus from the fans um, that Wisconsin was running the ball effectively that game. They stopped running the ball like they were 
We don't. No one really knows yeah. why they stopped running the ball because it seemed to be somewhat working for them. Sure. Uh, any thoughts on that and why the game turned no, out? Man, I mean, I just knew on that last play. I mean, I think we even had you know a big set in for defense, and then they called. It was shotgun eleven personnel, and they split the tight end out a little ways. It might have been the fullback, but uh, they just kind of spread everybody out, and we were like, "All right, this is going to play right into our hand." And sure enough, it did. The crazy part about this, Brenton, and you you probably know enough to understand this, but for TCU fans um, in, in general, this is probably one of the biggest moments of their life, the winning of the Rose Bowl, right? right. So people were people were there will tell you it's top five, top three, top ten moment of their whole life, just watching this moment. I've heard this story a hundred times if I've heard it once. Um, what the, the crazy thing about it is that um, you live this in how, – how does one how does one celebrate – uh, a moment like that in, I mean, you, obviously it was a great moment, but we all lived it from our perspective. Sure. It was a great day. How does one go through this afterwards? I mean, uh, honestly, people that, a lot of people in Fort Worth, that was kind of the defining moment for me, for them. For me, my favorite play still to this day was when we played on ga- uh, college game day against Utah at home. And I had that pick six from like the 15 yard line or so, whatever it was. That's still my favorite play of all time, you know, but that was a good one after the Rose Bowl. I mean, it was, I don't know, kind of like solidified in the galore TCU, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was, I don't know, it's been good. You know, I always kind of, I mean, just kind of going away from football, but I've just always kind of wanted to be known as everything except football, I guess, you know, yeah. but you know, it's always been football and it's been great, but you know, I just don't like, they always say, don't let football define you. Sure. You How know? did you so, celebrate that night? You know, it's funny is we were actually, and I had my, my son was right at a year old, maybe year and a half old, had him in school. And, uh, I'm leaving to go to dinner with my wife now, her parents and my parents, and we're going to have dinner and I, all my buddies, they're all suited up. They got all their gear on. They're got their nice shoes, their hair slicked back and they're going out to party like, yeah, having a good time. And I'm pushing the stroller out like, <laughs> You guys have a good time. I'll see ya. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> but that was that was after the game for me, you know. I but. have I have information for you from the sixth grade at the school our kids go to. Uh my daughter says the girls think your son's cute. One, Which of the, one? one of the cuties. Is it Colt or Cash? Whatever's in six both in sixth, sixth grade. grade. Yeah, that's I, Cash. I can't tell Cash you that <laughs> answer yet, but I assume it's probably both if yeah. I had to guess. Well, but you I, know what's funny is the I guess the first week he was at school. Um, we put some cash in the front of his bag, I guess, to get snacks or something, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, um, he didn't know that we put it where we put it. So there was this girl at school that was like, here, you know, I'll help you out. Well, that little girl stayed down the street in our neighborhood and she mm-hmm. is going to her little girlfriend's house or whatever. And she sees us like, Oh, Hey cash. Hey. And I'm like, who's that dude? You yeah. Know? Yeah. There nice. we go. Uh, nice. It's funny. So let's back up the story real quick. Um, you're a Sweeney, Texas guy. Uh, originally you didn't first start off. Most people know this. I think that followed you for a while, but um, football wasn't your thing at first. It was BMX uh, bicycling. Yeah. So tech, how, 10 year old, you win the BMX world championship. How did all that happen for you? So, I mean, I started riding when I was probably three or three. I actually rode my bike up and down the street when I was two years old. That's when I started riding without training wheels. I mean, it's, you know how you kind of, make it seem like you remember the moment when you took the train was off, but it's because everybody's telling you the story. And then mm-hmm. you're just like, no, I remember it, you know, but I, I feel like I remember asking my older brother, who's he's like 15 years older than me. And I was like, take these training wheels off. And as soon as he took them off, I just took off down the road. Mm-hmm. And this old man down the street, we called him Pappy Mac. And he had a McDowell downs was the racetrack. And, um, he was, you ever raced bikes before? Da, da, da. And I'm like, 
three years old, four years old. So I don't know what he's talking about. And, um, he goes, walks down to my house and asks my dad, you know, bring him out to the track, all this. And that's kind of how it started. Nice. And then so I did just you do that competitively. I did. I started, so I got on a team sponsored basically when I was five, I think it was four or five for the first time. And then started going to nationals. The team that I raced for started paying for me, my flights to go all over the country. Really. It was more from Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was more of a Western thing at that time. Yep. Um, but, uh, started doing that when I was four or five and started winning and I didn't look back. How, I, so how, how you travel the country? Oh yeah. So in outside during, the country, just only once, just when I raced in France. Okay. So the way, so I raced four or five, started racing pretty much competitively when I was five. So I won the national title. There's a world championship, which is still a national title in mm-hmm. the United States. And there's the grands, which is another national title. I won that. I won both of those like five years in a row, like five, six, seven, eight, nine year old. No kidding. And I was like done. I wanted to, and it took up all my time. I couldn't play no sports. I didn't mm-hmm. have no time with my friends. I was always traveling. I had school during the week and at, on sometimes Thursdays, come home on Mondays, I would leave to go to these nationals all over the nation. So I didn't have any time for sports and I wanted to quit. And when I was nine, I uh, told my manager, I actually told my parents, my parents talked to my manager and everything. It was like, you know, I want to be done racing bikes. I want to be a kid. Yeah. And he was like, come back one more year and, you know, race the season. Then I'll take you to France and see if you can win like a world title. Mm-hmm. So came back, raced, um, won the world championship for the U.S. again, the Grands again. And then he took me to France. I mean, I raced against guys from China, Argentina, um, just all over the world and got first in that. And then I quit and hung it up. That was when you were 10 years 10 old. Years old. Yep. Are we talking the BMX where you're jumping dirt so jumps and things yep. like that? Nature? So I guess t- t- taking a look at it like motocross, yeah. except it's not laps. It's one from start to finish. First okay. one to you out of the gate, you got rhythm sections, jumps, doubles, triples, f- tabletops all the way through and the tracks kind of zigzagging. Mm-hmm. And then first one, to get to the finish line wins. Do a lot of those guys that graduate to BM or to motocross from no, that or no? no for the most part, in that? Um, I mean, there's there's guys that I'm sure did. Yeah. But for the most part, you just kind of worked your way up and then yeah. you became, you know, single A pro, double A pro, and then you got paid to do it. How I long just, does one race last typically? Like when you're 10? So they're anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 feet is, okay. is, is a track. And I mean, I think the long tracks back in the day kind of remembering it's like 2,800 feet were like the long track. So is that like a couple minutes? I'd say a minute and a half. Nice. nice. Yeah. But you're pedaling the whole time, oh, yeah. right? You're getting oh, after yeah. it. I got, there's, I mean, some video on, there's some, there's some video on YouTube that my mom put up of me kicking some butt. Our crack research team missed that video, but we'll, we'll find it. Yeah. 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 So in th- when you were 13, you had a, you got involved in the car wreck. Can yep. you t- talk about that a little bit? Yep. So, um, I was actually started training to get back into bike racing and, um, I think I had, I didn't race any nationals, but I was actually out in California training, coming back and forth, doing camps and stuff with my old team and my old manager and everything. Was that your choice? Did you miss it? Yeah. yeah I kind of wanted to get back into it yeah. and I started getting back into it. And then, um, I, I was telling the story earlier, um, we were, I was just kind of getting back into racing and then we were home for the weekend and we were, me and my friend Troy actually, we were at home just hanging out and he was having a crawfish bowl at his house. So his sister came to pick us up and we're um, driving in the car and I remember her swerving back and forth and I'm going from door to door swerving and we're laughing in the car like it's a joke. I don't really remember her laughing because she was probably freaking out. But yeah, I remember me and Troy kind of like laughing, thinking that she was joking around. 
And then we just start rolling. And the last thing I remember, I'm like holding my head inside the window and the car's like rolling on top of me. Oh, wow. And I didn't have my seatbelt on. And um, it was crazy thing is pictures of the car after the the car rolled into somebody's yard and then hit a tree and the tree s- smashed the top of the car all the way down to the seat that I was in actually so holy like, cow. if I'd have been buckled in there's no telling it could have been much worse but you broke ribs you broke your back yeah you punctured your diaphragm uh, and you punctured a lung yeah and you were tossed from the car at the very end yeah. of that scene yeah I was uh I was trying to hold myself into the car is what the people that the car went into their yard mm-hmm. they saw the whole thing happen. And uh, they said that I was trying to hold myself into the car and the car was just rolling on top of me. And um, yeah, I broke seven ribs, broke my back, my T9 and T10 vertebrae. Mm -hmm. I broke those, um, punctured my lung, had a collapsed lung, um, punctured my diaphragm. I was actually, while I was um, in the bed, I I didn't eat for like 16 days or something, two weeks. I didn't get to eat any food or drink anything. They wanted everything Mm -hmm. shut down. Um, But at the time that I was in bed, I had... Um, developed a blood clot in my shoulder. So I was on blood thinners for two years. Had to wear a back brace for almost a year. It was like nine or 10 months. I had to wear a back brace. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of it all, I came out the other side and they said my back was stronger than it ever had been. And Wow. So. Yeah. Okay. And then so junior year comes around yep. in high school and then and, and what happens then? That was kind of the first year that I got to experience football. I mean, the, uh, coach kind of was like, you ever played linebacker before? I was like, Nope. You ever played running Sweeney back? high school at Sweeney? Yep. I, we, I think we had a little over a hundred kids in our graduating class. It was pretty the name small tank group. though came around before all of this. Cause oh, yeah. that would be kind of like a <laughs> tank moment in my opinion to go through that. And then, then I, miraculously start playing football after that. But, um, yeah. where'd tank come from? I got the name tank when I was about 18 months old. It actually was man, man. And then it switched to tank. It's man, man. I would answer to it. And then a family friend just randomly was like, he's like a little tank. Hey, tank. Yeah. And then I turned to it. This is my mom's telling the story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, tank. And I just turned to it. And then ever since then, my name's tank. I mean, all growing up through elementary, junior high, there's always that one teacher every year or two that's like, I can't call you tank. Hmm. And it's like, you're going to call me tank. At yeah. Some point. <laughs> what, what is your legal name? My legal name is Ricky. Ricky. And I'm a junior. That's my dad's name. Very so cool. Don't call me Ricky. Anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people, I'm sure they would not do that, right? All right, so you gave uh, cycling a break to get your life back. Obviously, you had the wreck in between that, so that wasn't really – we can't we have to consider that. But football comes in your life. You probably are pretty good at football, I'm sure, from early age. Safe to say, you get recruited. You're a two-star a recruit by rivals. Um, TCU finds you heavily recruited? No, no, no. I was heavily recruited by D3s, D3s. And, and a couple of D2s. Um, had, a, I think, four or five – uh, scholarships for rides to play at a couple D three schools. Um, I think Texas A and M Kingsville and West Texas A and M offered me a full ride. And then like two weeks before signing day, coach Patterson offered me, but I mean, they weren't even recruiting me until, um, Eddie Williamson, the mm-hmm. O-line coach, yep. he was, um, at a game against LaGrange in the first round of the playoffs, my senior year at football. And they were recruiting, I think, maybe a wide receiver from LaGrange. And, Ty um, Gunn, maybe? Or is he already is he later on? I don't think. I, I think it, that's and, the guy who's my neighbor. The one that's what I was thinking uh, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I don't know. I am not. I have no idea who he was recruiting. Okay. But I just remember the story being they were there to watch a guy. Coach Williamson was. was there to watch a guy from LaGrange. And I think we scored 31 points. And I had like 27 of the points because I was kicker, running back. Oh, wow. I played linebacker. I played quarterback. I mean, kind of 
put me where the ball needed to go, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a small school, so you could play with a lot of positions. <laughs> so you said yes quickly, I'm assuming. Well, as soon as he as soon as he offered it to me. I mean, I remember sitting at the old dial up computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have and, mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Coach Patterson called me, and I remember dragging the phone around from the kitchen. It was on that long cord from oh, the yeah. kitchen, and you had, we drug it around the corner <laughs> into uh, the mm-hmm. my parents' bedroom was where the computer was. And right. he was like, how would you like to be a horned frog? I was like, I'd love to. He goes, well, I'm going to offer you a full-ride scholarship. And wow. I immediately took it right then. Dude. Yeah. And it was – I mean, I would have probably been at Texas State at a walk-on with all my buddies and no telling what would happen. Well, you get <laughs> you get to TCU. Uh, assume things worked out okay. Uh, that's a joke. But um, how <laughs> was like how, with JW? <laughs> well, we can talk about that off air. How how was life for you at TCU without football? Without the football piece included, you obviously had a life other than football at some point. But I know football is all consuming. But sure, how was your experience at without, TCU? Mm-hmm? Yeah, man, it was awesome. You know, I. Uh, I had a lot of fun just getting to know everybody. I mean, I met my wife at TCU. Um, I think it was the second semester. And you know, it's funny, funny story, a little off subject, but uh, I actually had met her before I'd met her. It was actually at one of her parties. I was actually went there with Vess. Um, okay. James Vess. James Vess. And JW's um, business partner, one of them. Thank you, Brenton, for you showing that. Well, just in <laughs> case other people don't know, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we actually went there and I just remember I'm getting beer out of the keg. And this little girl walks up and, and she's got like these high socks. I think she's dressed up like a baseball player and she's like all snooty. She's like, that's my keg. And I'm like, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> and I, that was it. That was the only interaction. And, uh, and then I met her again at Snooky's after that. And that Very was the nice. first time we met. Snooky's now called the Tavern. The tavern. Oh, yeah. right. I, I never remember beer being at TCU, like the Christian school that it yeah, was. I, was. I don't think it was. Well, and it football been, players too. Yeah, football yeah, players yes. drank yes. beer. At, like, no, during not, was, not that I ever saw. Yes. So I'm not sure. <laughs> a, it was in a beer. So oh, a keg of an A. Yes. <laughs> so your career uh, at TCU was was going well. You were, you were obviously in the mix and things were going well. These games we talk about, the Rose Bowl, obviously. Um, what, what what would you say were, were Tank Carter's strengths as a linebacker? What made you the player you were? I mean, man, it's just I, and I talk to the kids that I coach all the time about determination. I was just determined to not lose. I mean, I hated people getting over on me, whatever it was, and not just in sports, but just anything in life. Man, I hated losing, so I was so determined, and I had speed. I think that's what would help too. I mean, obviously, you got to have some talent with with the determination, but. I was just determined to win at all costs, and then I had I was pretty fast. So you think that that all that BMX, you know, early in life BMX training kind of helped with that competitiveness and stuff like that. I think that outside of my injury that ended my NFL career, I always had healthy, healthy legs. My legs were always super strong. I mean, I could squat six, seven hundred pounds. I was always super strong in my legs, and I attributed a lot of that to racing bikes for the first. 10 years of my life. Yeah. You know? Makes sense. What was your, fa- what was your 40 time just to my, so cut. in, in at the combine, it was a four or five four or five. And then, um, but I would, I got clocked on a watch when I was training for the combine, like four, four, eights four. and stuff that's, like that's that. Written, so what was yours last week? Well, Tell I was me. thinking more about the squat <laughs> deal. And I, I mean, I put up the bar and then a couple of 35s, um, in my home gym. Is that when you had to go into traction? The week <laughs> it was post COVID. So I wasn't my, my peak, you know, it was just right, coming right. out of it. So take, when did you know you were really good at football? Honestly, the the first time I really was like, I'm pretty good at football was after the Utah game when I had that pick six nice. and I literally was in, we were in the bowling alley after and, um, I'm sitting there talking. Is that talking. like a post-game ritual? Like go no, bowling it after wasn't. The game we or? just chose to go there after yeah. that game for some reason. Let you, let you drink beer there underage. Yeah. 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 They, they had NBA pitchers <laughs> coming out the wazoo. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, we're actually sitting there and I'm talking to my sister and like over her shoulder is kind of highlights, you know, the week we are the, the end of the day highlights or whatever. And mm-hmm. it showed TCU, Utah, and it showed that pick six I had on, up on ESPN. I was like, holy cow. And then I was like, a lot of people I see up there go to the NFL. And it was like, that's when I realized I was like, I might be pretty good at football. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, you've had, uh, you, that transitions to the Rose Bowl, the special moment. Is that the greatest moment? You already told me that the greatest moments, the Utah. That's one of my favorite um, moments, but I'd say one of the greatest moments was winning the Rose Bowl, not right. that actual play, but the play, actual but winning. winning the Rose Bowl was probably the greatest moment for me. You're still close with Gary Patterson. You told us, um, how, how's the relationship these days? It's good. It's good. I know that he's, uh, he's had to change his coaching style a little bit just mm-hmm. with this new generation of kids, but you know, it's. You gotta you gotta conform with the times to an extent, you know. And um, but no, I see Coach Patterson. I see him as like second dad, man. He's taught me so much. And when I was at TCU, and I carry a lot of the stuff, and I always put it a simple metaphor, like he was the seed to the drive that I have nowadays. Right. Like everything I do, man. He he planted that seed early of don't back down. Don't matter how big you are. Don't matter how fast you are. If you want to kick someone's ass, you do it, you know? So (laughs) I must tell you, Tank, that Brent and I, we were working on, uh, you know, the set for you today. And, um, I called coach, uh, Gary and asked him to borrow the Rose Bowl trophy. There you go. Um, Gary's very busy these days, as you can imagine, this is the TCU SMU football week. So it may be busier a little bit than most weeks, but he flat out told me he could not do it. There's a, there's a party in town called the Jewel Charity Ball. Mm-hmm. It's the largest uh, party. It's a, it's a charity benefit, but it, it's, it's extravagant. Nice. They asked for it. He said, I can't do it. And sure. because of that, he has to be consistent. He cannot bring it to the table. Perfect. For one hour of time is all I asked, yeah. but he could not do it. So. If you would have got to him sooner and he told you yes, he probably would have stuck with you. Right. Well, <laughs> we have a strategy. We're going to have Tank, who just referred to him as his second father, ask for the trophy <laughs> and bring it with I him I should have asked time. you I'm telling you right now, if he told them first that he would do it he's going to stick to his word yeah, yeah i think you're right yeah you know that's right so, so how, how did you get into the nfl so how's the nfl thing happen so from all of that highlight you know from tcu then tell us about that um i mean just kind of the whole process you kind of wait for that call to the combine and most of the time i mean there's guys that get drafted that don't get invited to the combine obviously you know but that was kind of the thing where i was waiting for that invite and i remember walking through the airport we were coming back from vacation i think um after um, the season was over. My, my college career was done. It was January or so, I think. And, um, i got that email and I just remember taking off running through the airport, like, yeah, I got invited, you know, oh, and yeah. that was, so it kind of started there, but I mean, it started way before that in school, just I mean, coach Patterson, dude, just mm-hmm. the drive and just making, not letting anything get in your way really, you know, I mean, it sounds cliche, yep. but shit, I was only 195 pounds coming out of high school. I think I got up to 212 my first two years mm-hmm. in, in college. I think I was a starting linebacker in college for a Division One school at like 215, 214. And it was just use your speed, wrap them legs up. What do you <laughs> think the number one thing to kind of keep that mental focus of not getting down like that, you know, like what that he maybe taught you or you got yourself? Um, was- I mean, I learned a lot from him, but I even try to tell my kids his affirmation, man. Like if you tell yourself you're going to, intercept the ball. You tell yourself you're going to make it happen. You tell yourself that I'm going to turn this business into something in a year, whatever, you know, you keep telling yourself that yeah. you're going to have a shitload of failures throughout that time. But if mm-hmm. you keep telling yourself, you're going to do it and it's going to happen. And yeah. that's just the way I've lived my entire life. Like I've never, ever let the negative creep in of like, I can't do this. My favorite sayings can't never could. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good one. We've been saying that about this podcast a lot. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it works. 
So your fifth round pick by the Buffalo Bills, um, that move that what happened there? You moved to the Browns very quickly, right? Was it, yep. So it was I was drafted there in well, I guess the draft was around April, May, yep. and um, then I went all through the summer uh, at the Bills. We did our off season workouts and stuff, and then camp. And the last final cuts with the Bills, I got released. And then the next day, the Browns called me and picked me up right then, and it just kind of never looked back. Coach Taves, um, shit, forget his first name now. Taves. Okay, Coach Taves. Uh, yeah, Coach Taves. Most is coaches what I call don't him, have man. first names. Yeah, they just right. have coach yeah. and the last name. Yeah. Uh, but no, Coach Taves, man, he was he was uh, the first. I'd say year or two of was a lot of the reason why I was stuck around in the league. Honestly, just right. through special teams and 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 being a solid backup. Five but, years with the with uh, the Browns, six, right? Yeah, six, six years, six, okay. six six seasons. Um, and then you know it wasn't till my third year, fourth year that I started to realize, you know, I need to go up here and have a relationship with these coaches. I need to go and stay in the film room an extra hour. I need to get there an hour earlier. And I just, I guess, it come with maturity. You know, you mm-hmm. mature a little bit and you start to understand things a little better. Yep. And um, I think that's what I got another three or four years out of it after that first two years of coach Tabes kind of keeping me around as a special teams guy. You money, money you made good enough to yeah, transition able, able to transition, start the business that good. I'm in right now. So good. Well, we'll get to that here shortly. No doubt. Um, 2017, you tore your ACL in this preseason game. Yep. That was the, that was the end, right? That was it. Once, once you hit that, you had to have surgery and yep. that I tried to make it back and it just, it was never, it was never the same. I didn't have that same confidence in a, going tw- running 20 miles an hour this way and then just stopping and cutting back and going the other way, you know, it just, it wasn't there. And I kind of came to terms with it after I was, I got released in June from uh, the Browns in, I think it was seven, was it a seven, 18? I think it was 18. I think 17. No, it was June of 18 June was of 18. when I was released. 17 was my last season because I was on IR that year. Okay. Um, and then 18, I got released. I'd just signed a new contract in like May. It was my third deal with the Browns. And then they released me in June. And it wasn't until probably I'd say December or so that uh, I was like, I'm done. I just, I didn't have the confidence in my knee anymore. And that's kind of when I was like, I got to find something else to do. Surely. What made you decide to come back to Fort Worth, not go back to Sweeney? Um, I mean. Or stay in Cleveland. That's a good question. I'd say a big part of it. Oh, thanks, J-Dub. I have those from time to (laughs) time. Hey, Cleveland's not a bad place. They got a lot of good food out there. Well, imagine if a pro football player, you probably could make your way in there pretty good, too, doing business. They did. They took care of their guys, man. As soon as you go somewhere and they find out that you played for the Browns, it was kind of all expenses paid there. It was, they they take care of their guys. They turn on you once they realize you're not going to make it to the playoffs. (laughs) But then once the, 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 as soon as the season ends, it turns into, we're going to, next year, we got them next year, you know. Hope never so fades. So you you, you kind of like get through that little downtime of man, this is kind of over. But then you did you do decide to come back here. So yep. was it because you're what? Was no, well, the family I was family still here? Right out front, it was because of my wife. Her yeah. family is indicator. Um, okay, and and she real real tight knit family, um, as is mine. But you know they were here. All our, we had all our kids at that time, um, and then she wanted to come back here, so we came back here, and that was originally. And then, kind of as I started getting into you know other things outside of football and trying to start businesses and things like that, it was kind of um, I'd say not say seamless. You still got to work your ass off to do it, but mm-hmm. doors open a little easier, you know, just because of the sports aspect. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of stuck. It just it's kind of working out. Good. And then you started a business. That's right. Let's call that. Well, Where'd you get the name the of that Rose, business? This guy right oh. there. Water concrete. Yes. I think it's pretty, pretty catchy. <laughs> if you zoom in, I don't know if you can do that, but if you look at the logo. Oh yeah. On the top there. Yep. So if you see, CC. 
It's CC for Carter Concrete, but if you see, it's got a T in it. Oh, yeah. And it's got a C and then a sideways U. Look at that. For TCU. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well played. And it's also got TC for Tank Who Carter. came up with that design? Um, dude, it's actually funny. So we played with ideas and we played with hiring a graphic designer and and it was just like, I don't say we kept hitting dead ends, but it was like, we're going to have to pay this graphic designer like five grand to mm-hmm. build this logo that we didn't even know what we wanted. Right. So then we came across this website called Logo Tournament. And basically it's, it was like 550 bucks for like hundreds. It. Yeah. No, really hundreds and hundreds of different graphic designers around the world. Actually somebody from India that I'm sure yep. might not even speak English is who designed ours. Yeah. And, um, it, and we took it and loved it, man. And it oh, almost, yeah. it looks like, so on the trucks, the flat part on top is kind of like a fender. And then you got your two mixer wheels. Mm-hmm. That's why we liked it. It was CC for Carter concrete. It had TCU in the logo mm-hmm. and and we just kind of told them what we wanted, but we didn't, we had no even close to the idea of that rendering that, that they mm-hmm. were going to come up with. And it was actually one of the first ones that got submitted to us on oh, that nice. website. And we just said it was always right there at the top, right there at the top. And, um, when it came down to it, we picked that one and I'm glad we did. It was how many one. trucks do you have now? We've got 12, 12 trucks. Yep, 12 Business is trucks. good. I assume been good, man. Good. The construction industry is going nuts and it was, couldn't have picked a better time. I have to agree with you. It's a good yeah, time. How, to did be doing. You, how did you know concrete? It was somebody so, in your family. Well, my dad, he's, he's a home builder. So mm-hmm. he, uh, he does remodels and builds new homes. And, and he, all he had he, to tell you was the biggest margins are on that <laughs> concrete. And yeah, I mean, still construction across the board is only about 10 to 15%. So it's not like you're sitting here in the pharmaceutical business. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, raking it in on, on your, on your profits. But you know, it's, it was started with that of kind of in the forms. My dad had had me dragging concrete with his workers and Mm -hmm. that's where it started. And then my father-in-law, my wife's dad, she, or he, um, had a concrete business in Saginaw. He actually had three plants and 75 trucks and that's kind of how he made his money. And, you know, I was actually, was going to, you know, start a dumpster business for uh, on-job dumpsters sure. for contractors and stuff like that. And it just kind of evolved. And, um, my father, was like, don't do it. Don't get into it. You yeah. know, it's a headache. You know, it's just, it's very cutthroat, very competitive. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Like I just, it, it was more of a challenge and it's just, it's, it's worked out. Does your dad pay full price for his, for this concrete or do you just get a special deal? Yeah, when I get a plant down there, I'll, I'll definitely probably oh, he's give too him far some. away right now. <laughs> yeah. What area do you service? Um, so Crescent is South of Fort Worth mm-hmm. and that's where the plant is. And we'll, we'll service 20 to 30 minutes outside anything from that center point. 20 to 30 minute drive outside of that. That's about all you can do, right? With yeah. The I mean, trucks. you can, you can haul it pretty far. We actually, I got a guy that works for me. That's he's, he's badass. His name's Ron Williams. He's, he's a quality control guy. He's been around the industry for 20 plus years and he just, he can put different chemicals in the mix. He can, I mean, I could drive to Alaska if I wanted to, and that concrete would still be good when I get there. He's, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, inspiration in your life, heroes for you over the years. Anybody that comes to mind? I mean, cliche to say, but honestly, dude, Coach P, man. Coach P. Coach P is just, he taught me so much about just mm-hmm. resilience and and just to keep at it, you know? Don't let anybody tell you you can't, and I never did, and I never will. You I know? think he's that way for a lot of people, Tank. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. So, well, um, listen, you you know this. You're, you're a nice guy. You're a good guy. You're a friend. You, you meant a lot to a lot of people. That must you. Hopefully you understand what you've done is to transition into people's lives in, in a meaningful way. Does that resonate with you? Do you understand yeah. what, what your you know, accomplishments? I think I was just talking about earlier. You know, I want... I love the the football aspect of it, but like I want to be known for things outside of football because obviously that's the most obvious thing. 
you know, I want to make my mark and make my brand outside mm-hmm. of that, whether it be a businessman, a good person, a follower of the Lord, you know, whatever, whatever I choose it to be. And, sure. you know, I want to be, you know, a man of many talents, but I just, I don't want that, that one Aurora of, you know, he was the Rose Boy MVP and let it stop there. Right. You know, that's kind of what I, any linebackers you ever wanted to be like, um, you know, it's funny. Um, Brian Erlacher was mm-hmm. kind of a guy. It was actually when I was coming out of college, trying to pick an agent, and one of the agent I forget his name now. I think it was Bill, but his he was actually Brian's agent, and Brian mm-hmm. actually called me when I was in college. Well, not in college, but as I got done with my college season, trying to pick an agent and go through that process, and he had called me, and he was always kind of a role model anyway. But I'd have to say Erlacher, if any of them. You know, uh, I'm going to take this moment here to interject something. There's a guy across <laughs> from you that kind of has lived his life that way, that has real big on the football field. And I, I forgot to say, I appreciate you checking on me as much as you did during that whole time when I was down. But I do think, Tank, like just like you've talked about, and I don't know if it's because he was coached by Coach P2, if he taught you guys that, but there are a lot of really good people in this community that played football at TCU yep. who you know what? That's not their whole thing. You know, they've done a lot in this community too. So kudos to both you guys for that. Did you co- know? Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Well, last uh, couple of questions I was going to say is what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? We have a follow- oh, last question for all of our guests, but the craziest thing that's ever happened to you that you're willing to share with us with anything. Sure. Football or uh, outside of football. That Asusu trooper rolling eight times. But that's man. okay. Leave that craziest one out. What thing, craziest thing you've ever, ever seen or been part of um, that you, man. that you want to tell us about. I've heard stories, but I'm not. I'm not I'm, give me a hint, and I'll I, see. I, if I can, because rumors, rumors are no good. You know, well, that. perhaps these well, armbands. I'll could tell you what the truth is or not. You notice we we came dressed for the to, for the, the show bands. today. There I got to throw a shout out to to Matt Lewis over at TCU's assistant nice. AD for football operations. Matty Lou, Matt, Matty Lou Matty yeah. has been a good guy for I mean, over 18 years oh, at yeah. TCU. But we all love you, Matty. So thank you for the armbands. He's awesome man. Wanted to show up in, in style for. But this for was tank. passed on to you by somebody, right? It was. It's actually DH David Hawthorne. I was just telling the story is he uh, he was actually in the locker right next to mine and he's getting all juiced up ready for the game and he's getting amped up and he's putting these armbands on. And I just remember thinking like, oh, wow, this guy's cool, you know, <laughs> and uh, he kind of looks at me. He's like, what's up, Rook or what's up, Fresh Blood or something like that. And he's like, you going to carry on this tradition? I was just like, yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's how it started, honestly. And it just kind of stuck and it became kind of my trademark. Mm-hmm. The, the 500 armbands on my arm cutting off my circulation. Yeah, they're cutting <laughs> off mine right now. I mean, I can barely touch the buttons on this thing. Um, yeah, so uh, best day of your life. That's what we ask all our guests. Besides you family. Besides family, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Best you, day of Yeah, I probably already heard this, but I know. if you want to I mean, say that, it again. That win on the Rose Bowl was top notch. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, and it's not there yet, but, you know, the business kind of getting – affirmation in itself that it's going to kind of make it, you know, Yeah, it was kind of like, cause how old is I mean, it? Like I was saying, it's, it's going on three years now, but our plant's only been operational a year and a half. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of getting to a point now where it's I'm not going to say running itself. I mean, it's still got to be there and, and, and manage it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of gotten to a point where it's, it's out there. People know about it. Great product, good service. And it's, it's, I'm going to say here to stay forever cause anything can happen, sure. but it's, it's, it's just feels good. Cause I mean, shit, dude, I put in, 90, 100, 110 hours a week, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for almost two years straight, just yeah. grinding it out, 18 hour days. And it finally, now it's starting to get to where it's starting to pay off. So you don't say, you don't strike me as a guy when someone says you can't do it. And then you put that kind of time <laughs> and effort into it. <laughs> I've never even, it never crossed my mind of the work you have to put in. It's just, you do what you got to do. You know? For sure. 
you, well, how was it? It was portrayed. I can't remember how it was. It was, you don't, don't think about the the end result. I forget, but you just work on the process and in your day to day. Don't, don't be like, God, I'm going to put this many hours in this week, or I'm going to be gone this much or whatever. It's like tomorrow I'm going to get this, 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 and this done. And if it takes me five hours, cool. If it takes me 24 hours to cool, it's going to get done regardless. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought of one more before we go tank your pregame uh, music. What'd you listen to before games? Oh, um, remember the name. That was my song that I kind of pumped me up. It was, uh, I can't remember the tune now, but I remember the name of it. Remember the name. Yeah. That yeah, was the name. Remember, it's, it's, it's called Remember called the Name. Remember the Name. Was it yeah. like a heavy metal kind of thing? It was not heavy metal, but it was kind of like a rock. Yeah. Um, it was 50% pain. Uh, God, I can't think of it. I'm butchering it. We're, uh, we're going to Google it after the show. Yeah, we'll sure. find Google it out it. for sure. Well, Tank, thank you for joining us, man. We, we appreciate you very much. Uh, those who want to stay followed up with, with Fortitude, uh, RoxoMediaHouse.com uh, and f- Twitter is FortitudeFW. Tank Carter, the legend in the house. Thank you, man, for joining us. Thanks, Thanks for having me.